Welcome to the PR Moment podcast. Produced in association with the Marketeers Network. Welcome to our recruitment year in review on the PR Moment podcast, where we take a, a look at the PR job market with Dean Connolly, founder and recruitment director at Latte. Today, we're going to be talking about all things PR recruitment, discussing the latest trends we've seen over the year, uh, but also looking at uh, some future gazing for 2024. Um, if you're interested in keeping an eye on the best jobs that are out there each week, do make sure you subscribe for free to PR Moment's top 10 PR jobs updates. Um, and a, a reminder that the, uh, the the early entry deadline for the PR Moment Awards is coming up on the 15th of December, with the final deadline coming up on the 26th of January. Do make sure you check out the PR Moment Awards microsite for all the details there. Also, thanks so much to PR Moment podcast sponsors, the PRCA. Dean, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Ben. It's good to be back. Great. Uh, well, it's good to have you back. Um, go on. Let's let's talk about 2023 first of all, shall we? Um, what have we? What have you seen there um, over the over the last year or so? Does the sort of year? It's been an interesting year from a recruitment perspective, hasn't it? Does it sort of divide up into the different stages? It does. Yeah, I think it really is a tale of two halves. Certainly, at the start of the year, um, we were still seeing crazy salaries being offered, camps coming in with ridiculous demands and getting them. Um, and there was a real fight for talent. Where uh, if you weren't one of the most well-known agencies in the market, you would struggle to attract talent. Um, and then at the back end of this year, we're really seeing the talent market loosen up a little bit. There's still a fight for talent, but candidates are now accepting salaries within the salary bands that agencies have set. Um, there's no longer this constant increase um, of salaries. Um, and we're also seeing counter offers come in at a much more reasonable level. There, there's no kind of... Um, you know, side hits that have been unexpected. Right. Um, yeah, so I think it, it's become a little bit easier to for agencies um, to attract talent um, in the second half of the year. But so people are still recruiting, if you like, because, um, you know, if you, if you hear some people, definitely not everyone, but some people talk about the tech market, it's like head in hands, it's really tough. Um, it's come back a little yeah. bit, but other people seem to be doing okay. So it's quite patchy, isn't it? And that, does that reflect in the in the recruitment market as well? It does a little bit, you know, we've, we've heard some of the tech agencies, some have made redundancies, but then we see other small and mid-sized players, which is still growing at a, at a rapid rate. Um, and I would also say that even some of those smaller tech agencies that were having to compete with the big award-winning agencies are getting a look in with talent now and are attracting some pretty good B2B tech talent. So it's not it's not the doom and gloom we thought it would be for the, the tech sector, certainly from a, a talent perspective anyway. It seems like clients still need to be serviced and there's jobs out there. Uh, in any market, there are winners and losers, aren't they? And I think that that is yeah. true in the PR market as well. Yeah, yeah, and we, we've seen some... Um, new tech agencies hit the market market that have been uh, kind of doing it a bit of a different offering, Words and Pixels being one of them for the tech startup world and then starting to win some bigger brand names. Um, I think their model and, and how they um, how they work has, has, has helped them fuel growth. Um, and just on the, so in terms of the, going back to the, the, how the year's sort of been um, from a recruitment perspective, if you think about an agency management perspective, um, side of things uh, on your on your talent management side of things I should say um, the first quarter was pretty crazy um, yes. and that was sort of a, 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 a what we saw in in 
the previous year really 2022 that was just it was yeah. um it was a, a market which but looking back was a bubble was it in in essence yeah i think so it was a bubble that that really lasted to the two years following covid really um not enough talent not enough uh entry-level talent coming into the market and moving up through the ranks which then continued to have a knock-on effect the years following and that led um, to a lot, of, a lot of wage inflation really which combined with the high inflation rates that we saw at the start of the year um yes. was a difficult mix um it was um, yeah, and then, and, that, and, and what just what happened there? So people were getting offers, and then there was that crazy period where we had these sort of counter offers. That I mean, what, what's how often were offers actually accepted? Because everyone made counter offers. Was it yeah. was it sort of fifty percent? What was it? What was it like at that? Looking back no, at that first quarter, it was still um, jobs were still being um, accepted. Certainly from our side, I think we managed uh, the the potential of a counter offer upfront and throughout the whole process. So it was never a surprise. But um, I think what was happening is, you know, pre-COVID, uh, you were having an account manager on max 35K. And then, you know, the, the years since it crept up to 37, 38, and now the average for an account manager is hovering around 40K, whether that be consumer or B2B. Wow. Um, and so candidates were going out for five interviews. They knew the agencies were struggling to hire and they were just highballing themselves and getting what they wanted. And then that created a, a, a new standard in the industry. Right. And has there been any implications of that now? So are, are, have, have people who, are, who might have overbid themselves a little bit, are, are, yeah. are, they, are, are they now a bit vulnerable or, or did the rest of the market just catch up? The rest of the market caught up. We saw a lot of agencies change their salary bandings to fit. And then obviously that was an issue for agency leaders because they weren't increasing their, their fees to clients. So that, that definitely had a pinch on the bottom line. Um, we didn't, in the London market, really, no, we didn't see candidates coming through that had overpriced themselves and then later on were getting let go because of that. Weirdly, in Australia, we have seen that. There was a lot of ADs that got these ridiculous salaries and then were let go because their skill set wasn't matching the salary. So didn't it didn't happen in the UK. Right. Uh, and then August and the summer saw, saw plateau, plateau of the market. Um, and that wasn't really a seasonal thing. That was just because... In essence, um, supply and demand kind of kind, kind of matched themselves. Yeah, I remember at different points in the year. I think it was um, you know heading around April time. It felt like things slowed down from jobs coming through for us for sure. And I think um, a lot of clients were saying that decisions are just taking a really long time to be made. You know, clients are pushing out decisions by three, four, in some instances, six months. And so it was a waiting game. And I think a lot of people like, oh, okay, well, the economy is pausing things aren't moving forward and then all of a sudden the contracts would be signed and then they were on a hiring spree again so it's, it's felt like definitely this second half it's continued as these ups and downs of hiring and then being cautious and then hiring again and then being cautious and when I talk to agency leaders at the moment they seem to be uh, you know with with a hand a little bit on the handbrake uh, a bit more positive about moving forward both now you know they've had a good a much better couple of months than they had during the summer um but also looking into yeah. 2024 yeah i'd agree with you actually with the, the with the few mds i've had conversations with in the last two to three weeks there's kind of a pause to take stock of the year and think about planning for next year certainly when it comes to hiring but the general consensus is they're planning for it to be a successful year um 
And that's certainly, you know, I don't, I don't think that was the case throughout the whole year. I think there was a lot more caution throughout the year. So there does seem to be some positive sentiment heading into 2024. And we should just finish off with talking about the year we just had with, with redundancies, because there were there were whispers of redundancies throughout 2023, weren't there? Um yeah. But happily or fortunately, it, it never, you know, were some redundancies, but it never quite happened to the extent that I think some of us feared. You're right. Yeah, there, it definitely wasn't widespread. And I think, um, you know, it was either in reaction to a client being lost or some of the big companies just making sure that they were, I think, you know, uh, managing stock prices or share prices. And it, it wasn't widespread. Um, and certainly anyone that was made redundant quickly was absorbed. Right. Um, by agencies that were hiring. There wasn't that we think. So they, they, they got back in um, fairly quickly. Because it's not, that's what everyone always worries, isn't it? It's, it's sort of a, yeah. a stamp of disapproval in a, in, a light, in a way being made redundant, but it doesn't need to work like that, does it? No, not at all. In, in fact, the Talker Taylor team of 20 people, pretty much all of them had jobs within five days. Right. Um, and, and we kind of reached out to a lot of them straight away and they were like, yeah, I'm on that final stage on interviews. And that, that was in the matter of three days, actually. So they, yeah, people got snapped up very quickly. And where do you, just on that balance, because it's interesting, actually, because, you know, this is too, too simple of a summary and it's not, it's, it's more, more nuanced than this. But in a sense, tech PR has had a, a more difficult year than, let's say, brand or consumer, hasn't it? Do you see mm. some... Um, people who've got experience previously with tech PR make that shift over to a new sector. Does that tend to happen much? They do, but it's not an easy move. And, and you think it would be. I think where there's a portfolio that leans into it. So if you're coming from B2B tech um, and you can go into a mixed portfolio, that would help. But we still find even when it's talent short, agencies aren't willing to move that quickly with talent that doesn't have the industry sector that they're looking for. And I think like it's just how early does that sort of specialist um, barrier come into play within a career? It's surprisingly early, isn't it? I, I would suggest needlessly early, but um, yeah, really early. Yeah. It, I I would say once you've um, once you've kind of done three years in a sector, you really are seen as that. And you can still move. It's just difficult. Um, but even account executives, like when we're hiring a consumer account exec, that agency will not consider a B2B tech AD because they want that person to have been trained in the consumer media. But they'll cons- but they'll they'll um they'll think about a, a consumer tech AD, if you see what I mean. So it's kind of yes. um, yeah. It's worth thinking about, isn't it, when you're in that early stage of career? You know, it is worth keeping your portfolio a, a, a bit broader for a bit longer, you'd think. It is, yeah. Or be happy to take a stepping stone role. And I think sometimes candidates get pigeonholed into, let's say, B2B tech, and then they want to jump into one of the most awarded consumer PR agencies, maybe take a step into an agency that's a little bit more flexible, get your get your kind of consumer experience and then jump into that agency. Right. Um, yeah, I think a little bit longer term. I, and just in terms of, you know, thinking about how, where the market is right now, where are we? We're talking at the start of December. Um, you, you know, if, if, if 10 hotness is, is, I don't, you know, back in 2022, fourth quarter hot, where where, yes. where are we now? Would you say? Or not? Not ten. No, that's not ten. Let's say that's eight. Where are we now in terms of re- relative um, heat? Of we the say we're saying eight was last year. Yeah, where it was crazy. I would say we're probably sitting around a six. It doesn't feel 
as hectic or as crazy um, as last year. It feels like interview processes are they're, they're still being rushed in lots of ways. Like people are trying to push candidates through. There's still some people though that are, are missing out because they've got six rounds of interviews. But in general, it feels like the market market has plateaued a little bit. Um, but that doesn't weirdly that doesn't equal loads of talent available because people aren't moving yeah they're not moving or they're still just being hyper selective um so whilst we're getting like normally a process requires a lot of headhunting and we're getting more replies and more conversations so there's people in the mix but they're still being really selective about where they go and they they'll still have two or three opportunities it might not be six opportunities on the go and what was it in the summer if six is now what was the heat and what was the sort of Summer, I think we had a plateau. And I mean, I'm talking only from our experience, but we certainly saw consumer really quiet down this year. Um, and we pivoted as a business. We started to take on a lot more tech and corporate roles because that's where it seemed people were struggling with talent. Consumer, um, over the summer, it felt quiet and it started to build back up again. So, um, so what would you, four, five? What would you? Yeah, I'd say, I'd say four or five for consumer. Okay. Yeah. Right. It's interesting. It's you know, it's, it's okay now, isn't it? If it's six now compared to um, uh, eight this time last year, it's not. It's it's you know, I don't think anyone would think it was it was as good as that. But it's it's all right um, currently. Yeah, it's it's okay currently, and I think if you're hiring, uh, it's a better market at the moment. Right. Yeah. Good point. Um, okay, a couple of um, big moves we've seen over the last uh, month or so. Do you just want to talk us through those? Yeah, so we've, we've seen um, the Deputy MD of Instinctive Partners, um, Tali Kramer. Um, she's gone to join the Fight and Flight team as a senior director. Um, I think she was with Instinctive for about four years, but prior to that had worked with the Fight or Flight founders at Weber Shamwick. So it's another kind of Weber person joining the team. I think what's interesting about that is um, Tali's bringing some very strong corporate PR experience um, to fight or flight, which is position themselves quite firmly in that B2B space. Um, so that's probably something to watch. Um, and then we also had L Bellwood, um, a midway creative at Freud's, has joined the academy as their newest senior creative. And I think that's an interesting thing that we're seeing a lot more um, these, these kind of mid-sized agencies, even small agencies, hiring creative teams. Um, if you just go back three or four years ago, there weren't a lot of creatives in PR and now most agencies are starting to build out that as a, as a specialism. Yeah. Um, we had, we had that debate at our PR masterclass event the other day. And interestingly, whether, whether it was a good move or not, and there were some, some um, voices on both sides, which uh, was, was quite interesting, but the, that's a whole nother podcast. Uh, yeah. I wish I was there. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's interesting. And it's um, the fight or flights on the move, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's a, really intriguing we've, we've lived through 12 months of everyone talking talking down tech sector a little bit but then you've got yeah. and they're not they're not alone in that story of having a really good year as a tech as a tech pr firm so it just does show out there that um if you're sitting there thinking um things are really tough that there there is a way to thrive but you, you it does take a little bit of working out sometimes it does and i think What's interesting with the fight or flight story is that they probably wouldn't call themselves a tech agency. They, they say they're more B2B and they take a really creative approach with it. But actually a lot of their client base has tech at the core. Yeah. Um, and so they're solving, you know, solutions for some of those tech, tech companies that are wrapped in a type, a different type of brand. Yeah. And there's one other move you've seen, an internal move 
Um, yes, the- yeah. We saw uh, Leila um, Agar. Um, she was the deputy MD of BCW's corporate and public affairs division has now moved into the official MD role. So um, another senior kind of promotion there. I sort of have a, a vague hypothesis that a lot of those those senior roles, the risk is much less if it's an internal move. Is that something you, you'd agree with or 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 not? Yeah, it's it's definitely um, you've already seen their management style. They've already had to galvanize a team. They're already in the 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 way that the agency thinks. They already have you know proven that they can deliver um, on that. So it's often much safer to promote from within um, rather than hire externally. Right. Um, now, no year in review podcast would be uh, complete without some some future gazing. So go on, give us your your, your top three predictions for uh, PR recruitment in 2024, Dean. <laughs> so I think in 2024, the talent market will continue to loosen. Um, and I think that um, we won't see a return for um, that really strong fight for talent and salaries bouncing up every three to six months. Um, so that's definitely going to be, I, I don't think it'll shift to a, a high, like a hirer's market. I think it'll still be a, a job seeker's market, but it will loosen. Right. Um, I definitely think the debate around hybrid working within the PR industry will die. It really feels set that two to three days per week in the office is the norm. There was a lot of debate this year, um, and I just don't think that conversation will come back up within this sector, although I think in the tech sector, it'll probably remain hot for quite some time. I reckon, um, I reckon there's plenty more to go on that. We disagree on that one. I, I reckon there's going to be there's going to be plenty of discussions. I mean, lots of people still ask me, what, what do you think that, you know, and it, I mean, basically it depends, right? Different people are doing different. There is definitely the majority do two or three days a week in the in the office, don't they? And they mm-hmm. tend to be at least on some of those days the same days. But there is some, there are some people who are doing it at the the different ends of those of that. You know, all 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 hybrid, all 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 in the office. Yeah, I mean, we don't have any all in the office clients. We've had some that have been asking about, can we go back to four to five days? What do you think the impact will be? They've done a survey with their team, and it was a it was a flat out no you know they'll they'll have team team members leave um so yeah it'll be interesting we'll we'll watch that space ben and when we do our next podcast mid-year we'll see uh if that's been a trending topic i don't i reckon it'll, uh, yeah go on and you were going to say what's the um um some other trends you've got there um i i definitely think as well um that uh agencies that kind of invest in their employer brand will find they will win the fight for talent a lot more. So telling their their story, showing their case studies and kind of what makes them uniquely them. We saw agencies uh, like Milk and Honey, they've done it for quite some time, but Hebe Dragons are doing a really good job of it, Hope and Glory, where they really promote themselves to the sector and that just helps with talent attraction. It, it makes it 10 times easier to hire great people. Is it, it's just a, the, simple, just having a brand helps. Yeah, and I think a lot of agencies have caught on to that and are, are working on that. So um, we might see. And we that. mentioned before we talked about tidying up the the, the interview process. Um, that always yeah. makes me ch- chuckle. Some of these interview processes in PR. I mean, you, you're sort of talking. Sometimes you get to the the eighth interview or the uh, who well, it just yeah. is. But, and obviously, you know, the the candidates long long since moved on <laughs> before you get to the eighth interview round. Um, yeah. where do you see that one going? 
Yeah, we literally have a, had a candidate. They they said they're at their seventh interview, and they're like, if there's one more, they're dropping out. Um, the rule of thumb is three maximum, unless of course it's a managing director role, but three maximum with a task on the second stage. Um, and I think one way to make interviews more effective is to put in place a interview framework where you're asking every candidate the same set of questions and you're not sharing feedback internally. It helps eliminate bias. It means that you're assessing really based on skill, not based on things like they look, sound, walk and talk like me. So therefore it feels like a benefit. Um, so yeah, three interviews maximum. And in how, long is, how tight is that process these days in terms of time? Uh, that remains an issue because obviously a lot of agencies are, are busy. If you can wrap it up within three weeks, you will have a shot at securing that talent. There, a lot of agencies are fast tracking and doing it within two weeks. Um, but three weeks, you should try and make it not roll on longer. So imagine being in an interview process for a month. That's just such a long I mean, amount of time. Back in the day when I had a proper job, it was a lot longer than that. But that's right. Um, that's the, the case, though, is it? If, if it goes on for two months, you, you see a real drop off in the likelihood of it being a successful hire. Correct. Yeah, you do. I mean, we did have it's it's that's as a rule of thumb. We had a candidate that was in an interview process for a year because they kept hiring and pausing, <laughs> hiring and pausing. And I was surprised that they still got it, but they did. Right. But the, the, the to aim for is three because that's true, isn't it? In, in consultancy world where time is is so I don't know, unpredictable sometimes in terms of, yeah. of it's um, trying to get the right people in front of the client um, in the right frame of mind can be can be a challenge, right? Yeah, I think the reason for dragging it out matters as well. If you put yourself in the job seeker's seeker shoes and you've had your first stage and then you're waiting two weeks for feedback and for the second stage to happen, you start to go, well, what's going on there? And are they waiting for another candidate to come through is are they dragging their feet because they're not that interested? It's the same as hiring managers often say, well, you know, if Sally doesn't want to come in next week, then, you know, don't, we're not going to include them in the process. Uh, I think a lot of hiring managers forget that um, a candidate has a feeling towards how that interview process is run just as much as they don't want a candidate to be flaky and cancelling interview times or dragging their feet. I mean, it's an unfair question to wait, but how um, roughly, because I don't imagine you have this stat, but roughly what's the sort of average length, would you say, of a, of a recruitment process from you guys getting a brief to uh, um, a, a candidate six, being successful or, or not successful, actually, because at least that, that's then resolution, isn't it? I Good question. I think this half of the year, the end half, second half, uh, I would say it's probably six weeks from brief through to offer accepted. Um, you know, last year there were sometimes it was three months because um, it was so tough. But it's just, and that just reflects the, the change in the dynamic in the market of supply and demand, basically. Yeah. Of course, it depends on what the role is. If it's a, you know, a heavy hitting corporate reputation role in an agency that's not well known, that will be longer. But if it's a consumer role at an agency that's winning all the big brands and briefs, that'll be quicker. Right. Um, uh, and the, the clarity of the role you said was important and, and progression because people do do want to see that when they join an agency, don't they? Yeah, they do. A lot of hiring managers forget when a candidate goes for interview that it's 50% them pitching the role. So if you're not going in to say, this is a role, this is what the day to, 
day-to-day is going to look like and these are the training and development and career progression opportunities well then you've missed an opportunity to hook that candidate in and engage them because the next agency or in-house role will be doing that and will be winning that candidate so I think it's a thing that's missed out. Everyone already knows what the salary is because it's been advertised or discussed up from with the recruiter. Selling them on the progression opportunity um, is, is key and what the actual role is. Brilliant. Dean Connolly, founder and PR director at Latte. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the PR Moment podcast, produced in association with the Marketeers Network. If you'd enjoyed the show, please do review us on iTunes and give us a decent rating.